group is going to do whatever they want to do, no matter what the leader says. Okay? And, uh, well, I don't know about this. We'll see how this works. I may get excited and jump, and you may have my mic in your lap. Uh, but let me say that we talked about uh, what we want to do the next five years. We talked about our DNA. Our DNA is for planning churches. And we talked about how we're going to focus on that in the next five years. We talked about uh, moving toward uh, a property, a permanent facility. Whenever we started, uh, many of you, many, many of you were not with us. Started 11 people, moved to 30-some, moved to 65. When we got to 65, we launched as a church uh, five years ago, basically. And now we're growing here. And I'm telling you, uh, we have people who do not come every week. We're reaching people who don't go to church. Some of you know what that's like. It's not in your behavior pattern to make every Sunday morning. And so you'll come one week, two weeks. Then you won't come for a while. And you'll wait. You may not come and some trouble come into your life. And you'll come back because you know, listen to me, you know God will speak to you to help you through your trouble. He loves you. Don't listen to Satan and don't listen to the world. God loves you. He doesn't throw guilt and shame on you. That's a tool of Satan. But God will bring conviction to help you improve to make right decisions. Matter of fact, the Bible says he'll transform you by changing the way you think. And so you see, you know that. And so you wait, you get in trouble, and you come back. It probably if everybody came, come to Connection, I'm telling you, 225, 250, be no trouble every week. I'm not concerned about numbers, okay? God will take care of numbers. I'm concerned about we can name people whose lives have been changed. If you can't look at somebody here and say their life's been changed, you've not associated well with connection because we can identify people by name whose lives have totally been transformed. That's our purpose for existence. It's not to get money. It's not to have a big crowd. It's to hear what God has to say, and he transforms us by changing the way we think. And so we talked about permanent facility. Of course, we said when we met, and when we launch, that's probably not going to be for 10 or 15 years unless for some reason God opens a door. But we talked about some of those things, okay? You'll hear some of it as these next few years go by because we don't want to leave you out. But we're a church that doesn't focus on organization. We don't focus on property. We focus on the Word of God. We focus on this book, okay? And we focus on living and loving like Jesus, and I know you've been to many churches, and they do a lot of activities. I'm not a pastor who's going to lead Connection to have a calendar full of activities, okay? And so that's not what we're going to do. We're going to focus on getting people to get out there and live and love like Jesus. Somebody came up to me today, showed me, said, I want you to look at this. They're texting, okay? And somebody who's moved away from us gave an illustration that they're doing what we do in community loving, what we do in touch someone's life, they're doing that in another state, long way away from here. Connection has impacted them, and that's what they wanted to communicate to that person. That God is working. I think they said something. God is doing connection here, and it's a long way away from us. You see, we want to touch people. It's not about what happens in here. Okay, this is important in affecting how we think. What's important is what happens out there in the world about us, where you live. Listen, if you come to Connection every week, I don't, feel, I don't feel that I've communicated well unless it's causing you to impact your family. I have said often, when God can get a hold of one person in a family who will listen to him and allow transformation, not just people who come and sit, but who will listen to him and allow transformation to take place, he can change that entire family. And so I want the impact of living and loving like Jesus where you live, where you work. I want people to say, I know what church in 15, 10 years from now, I want people saying this to people. I know what church you go to. That's that connection because those people seek to live their faith where they work. That means you don't bad mouth, you don't get behind and, and backbite. Okay, and that's hard to do. I want it to where you go to school. I want it to where you play. That's what God wants. So when I say I want it, that's what he wants. And that's what connection is all about. Hey, I invite you to first step because you see in first step, in first step is where you'll get some vision. But that's our purpose.
So please let me know so I can have my resource books there. Okay? If you have your Bibles, open them to Luke, the 10th chapter. We're, we finished last week, 37th verse, okay? We're going to start the 38th verse. If you have the New Testaments that are available in the hallway, and feel free to take one. Now, if some of you have taken 10 of them, bring those other nine back, okay? Because those cost us. But we want you to have a New Testament. We want you to take one of those, bring it back, because I want you to mark in it, because I hope you'll read it later this week. You'll take your message map. There's a note page in there, and you'll look at that, and you'll sort of have a devotional, a time with God this week in regard to that scripture and maybe the points that are on that message map, okay? And then throughout this process, I ask you to underline or circle things because three years from now, three months from now, you'll read that passage, and you won't remember the emphasis. But if you get that underlined section or that circled section, it'll call attention in your mind. You'll become more knowledgeable, okay? in how that Bible is applicable to you. And so we offer those New Testaments free, okay? You just take one when you leave, bring it back next week when you come, okay? I'd like to begin in prayer, okay? Let's bow together if you would. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this time. I thank you, I thank you for those folks sitting back at that technology table. I thank you for, for their quick thinking and their adjustment. I thank you for all the work that's been involved in getting this place ready. But, Father, now, now we look into your word. Father, we've heard your word. Let me say, God, we've seen your word in the behavior of people already this morning. And we've heard your word as we've sang songs that have just definitely described what you teach. But, God, now we're going to look at it. We're going we're to slow down and, and, and read it. And, Father, we thank you for its 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 specialness that will change our lives. And God, I pray that you help me. Help me to communicate. You know my preparation. God, you know what's gone into getting ready for this. God, I pray that you help me that I might communicate the insightfulness of your word for our lives. And Father, for each person here, man, woman, each person here, as they hear, as they look at the Word, and they hear some of my statements, God, I pray that you give insight to them for what is taking place now in their lives or what should be taking place in their lives. God, don't let us just be here for this time period and leave with our, our understanding being on empty. God, begin to fill us, begin to fill us up with the insight and the power of your, your teaching, your guidance. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. If you've been here, you, you followed with us from Luke chapter 1, and now we're in chapter 10. Next week, we're going to get to chapter 11, and i got to end in chapter 10, because chapter 11 moves into prayer, and, and I just... Don't want to split up the first early verses of chapter 11. Want to do about 12, 13 verses because they all fit together. But uh, this one is about service, okay? This, this passage that we're talking about and also about relating to God in our mind. And so I want us to think about that. But Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Now, now realize, when I say he's on his way to Jerusalem, now he's been up in the, if, if the Israel, you know, is sort of like that, He's been up north, okay? The way to know Israel is, is there, there's a, there's a uh, Sea of Galilee, okay, full of life, fishing industry. A lot that Jesus taught around Galilee had to do with fishing. It's an agricultural area because the water would spread out and the people could irrigate. Then there was the Jordan River that ran through Israel, and it come down to the Dead Sea. You're getting down near Jerusalem. That's the metropolitan area. Cities around Galilee might have 20 people, 50 people, 100 people back when Jesus was existing. They weren't large like Mount Vernon. And so Jerusalem in the south of the metropolitan area. Now let me stop. I want to say something again. The Sea of Galilee is full of life. It pours into the Jordan River. The Jordan River comes down to the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea is full of death. 
okay? The Dead Sea doesn't empty out into anything. And it is full of death. I want you to understand, your life is either like the Sea of Galilee or the Dead Sea. You see, in your family, everybody pours into you, and it's all about you. And it's not about those other people. At school, at work, in your mind, your marriage, your love experience, your relationships, all about you, and you're full of death. And if it wasn't for other people, you probably couldn't keep relationships. Or else you just sort of got to pimp yourself, sell yourself, give yourself out to people to get them to have a relationship with you. We're sort of like those two C's over there. That's a sermon in its own right. And so today, today, what God is going to say to us is He's speaking to people who might feel the Dead Sea experience. He wants you to know the Sea of Galilee experience. He wants you to know the relationship with Him, and what it can do in your life. And so Jesus is, is traveling from the northern part of Israel to the southern part. It's going to take a few months. Not because it takes a few months to walk that distance, but because along the way He has encounters. And in those encounters, He teaches. Last week we talked about the Good Samaritan. Remember I told you the, the, the idea of the Good Samaritan has permeated our culture. This week on Good Morning America, I saw in one of the metropolitan areas, and I didn't catch the city, there were people they called Samaritans. And the news was making a report because the Samaritan met people, these different, and they were young people. Why do old people stop being good Samaritans? Why do you get that way? Why do I get that way? But these Samaritans are giving oranges out in the subways. They're giving a, a word of encouragement. And so they interviewed some of the people they were, they were talking to. And they said, it makes us feel better. It makes us feel good. It, it makes us look bright on today. But you know what they called them? Samaritans. And I said to Laura, I wonder, I wonder if anybody even knows that that's the New Testament. That's God's word concept. How it's permeated our society of caring, especially, now listen, if you are here last week, especially for people who do not fit into your life experience and maybe they hurt you or they said bad words about you they told lies about you and so we move from that and we jesus with his followers it's not jesus alone he had these disciples with him and listen folks we know from reading the bible there would have been other people around he sort of had a a, a, a group of people and so they're going to, from time to time when the day when the sun goes down and it starts getting near dark, they got to find a place to eat. And they got to find a place to sleep. And so what we're going to see in this passage of just, I think, five verses is that Jesus takes his group to the home site of his friend, his friend Lazarus. And we'll hear about Lazarus later, but not today. But he goes to his friend's house, Lazarus. And Lazarus has two sisters. One is named Martha Stewart and the other is Mary. Okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to see the interaction with Jesus and Martha Stewart and Mary. And even though these are ladies, it's going to speak to us as both male and female. And it's going to teach us something, as Jesus does. It's going to teach us something about living for God. So whether you're a young person or an old person, whether you are of female gender or male gender, this speaks to us. And so let's look at it. Look at verse 38 with me, if you would. It says, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha Stewart, I know you don't have Stuart in there, but the way she acts, you're going to see that name's fitting for her. Okay? Matter of fact, you might write Stuart in your Bible, so you can read this later. It'll call attention to Martha. Okay? It says, where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Now, now let me stop for a minute, and if you read ahead, you're going to be done, because I'm going to finish with just the 42nd verse, and we're done, okay? But, so don't read ahead. In John chapter 11... We're told in verse 11 that these were Jesus' friends, these gals, Mary and Martha. 
Now, I call attention to that because I want to say this. Jesus is a male. Mary and Martha is a female. They are friends, not for any sexual purpose. They are friends just for a relationship. For some reason in our society, we tend to have trouble when we see gals and guys having friendship, and the only reason is because of relationship. It's not for sexual purposes. Jesus, we're told by John, was friends of these two ladies. In John, the 11th chapter, the 5th verse, it says Jesus loved these two ladies. John used the word of the affection that would be seen when Jesus was with these two ladies. Jesus didn't love them for any sexual purpose. Jesus loved them in relationship. I know. My kids tell me, you better be careful. Dad, it's a different decade. My wife, she encourages me. She says, well, just, just be wise in what you say. But I don't have any trouble to say to people, I love you. You look good. It's good to be around you. I don't have any trouble saying you smell good. Okay? I don't have any trouble with that. But you see, our society tends to think if a man loves a female who he's not married to, there's something warped about that. Or if a woman loves a man, you know, that feeling of affection. I'm not talking about romantically. This doesn't have anything to do with romantically. Jesus is friends, male with females. Jesus loves male to female. No sensual relationship here. It's relationship. It's relationship. That's what it's all about here. And here we see, we see what happens. Jesus gets to their location where their home site is. And what does Martha do? His friend welcomes him. And you're going to see his friend ministers to him. You know, that's what friends ought to do. Friends ought to minister to one another. If you're my friend and I'm walking along and I drop something, guess who ought to pick that up? You. If we're walking along and we get to a door, guess who ought to open that door for you? Me. If we're going through life and you have a need and I have an ability maybe to help meet it or help make it lighter, guess what I ought to do? I'm your friend. I ought to try to help make it lighter. See, friends minister to friends. That's what we see. Martha's just ministering to her friend. Nobody can knock that. That's a good thing. Now, let me say something about women, okay? Because throughout my messages, I try to talk about the female experience. Because you've got to understand, my ministry started in 1971. I have been now involved in churches for four decades. I have seen how men have made women lower-class citizens. I have always felt that was wrong because of the, the, the effect of the tradition in me. I had to struggle with some of those intellectual thoughts to what I really believe God wanted in relationship with the opposite sex. I had to learn that whenever I said I do to her, I didn't make a commitment, now you take care of my needs, but I become your companionship. I know what it means to be a companion. You see, they made me captain of my varsity baseball team because I learned to turn a double play with the guy on the other side of second base. And if we didn't become companions when it came to playing ball, we would not know how to do that. I was named captain of my varsity football team. I was named all-city quarterback for Decatur because I learned there was a guy named Thurman. I learned to connect with Thurman. I tried to learn to connect with David, but David just wanted to make a touchdown. Thurman just wanted to catch the ball. We companionship. So I'm telling you, when I said I do to her, that's companionship. Now, I got to be careful. She's heard this. My children heard You don't create monsters. I give you everything, and you don't realize there's return that comes out of this. And you don't realize we work together. She's taught me that. And I've taught her that. I've raised my children understanding that. When they become spoiled that everything's about them, that's not companionship. That's because you don't know how to control them and you think you give them, you're going to have a better result. And we know that's not true. Understand. Women are important. Look at the first blank on your message map. Fill that in. 
because I want to communicate that. Let me say something about women. Women are not second-class Christians. Ought to be an S on there. Second-class Christians. It is not just about men. Women are important to what God is doing in the world. It's another sermon. Do we need men? Yes, we need men. This sermon speaks both to men and women. Because you see, when a woman brings her man, we need men to step up and relate to that man. But women are important. In the Old Testament, I, I thought about taking you through this, but no, not enough time. I, women were important in the Old Testament. There were times God wanted to use men, but men wouldn't step up, and so God used women. Women are important in the New Testament. Paul, such a significant man of God, used to start churches. See, Paul had women who came alongside him. Women were important in the New Testament. And women are important today in what our Lord Jesus Christ seeks to do. You women are important. I feel it a privilege, and I find pride coming alongside a woman. And I'll tell you, if connection didn't have its women, connection would have trouble existing. Now, men don't say, well, you're not saying we're not important. You are important. But we're seeing here two women going to relate to Jesus. And women are important. Look at verse 39. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Now, folks, I want you to understand, this is the description of mentoring or discipleship. Okay, what we don't realize because we're Americans is and, and you get the term rabbi in the Jewish culture. Look, as you grew up, your folks, your folks taught you things. But as an independent person, you begin to find a spiritual leader, a teacher, a rabbi. And because it was that society was men doing it, not women, men would find a rabbi in their town to meet with and to learn from. Okay, and they would follow that rabbi. They would follow that rabbi, and they would, they would gain from that rabbi. That was the discipling experience or the mentoring experience that took place. And this, this here, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, is a mentor experience. And I want to tell you, I think not only men need to be mentored, I think women need to be mentored. And what Jesus is doing here. We're seeing in his experience, we see times when men are mentored and women are mentored. But I'm going to tell you right here, it's women and men together. They're being instructed together. Jesus has come onto the home side of Lazarus. And all of a sudden we see Mary with the guys, with Jesus at his feet. Listen, folks, this is a revolutionary act. This is not the way it was back then. Women were not taught the men were but jesus allows women to be there with him women are important men are important jesus is mentoring men and women and god tells us she's at his feet that means she's willing to learn from him listen to me a lot of us don't like to be at jesus feet we, we, we want our ideas. We want, we want our opinions and our thoughts to be the way we live. To be at Jesus' feet and be mentored by the Lord is to let His words, His ideas, His thoughts be what we seek to live by. What seeks to come forth in our life. We're not perfect, so when we sin, it's not my idea or my friend's idea. Boy, you're a hypocrite. No, it's Jesus' idea. He says, repent. See, I let his mentoring, his guidance in my life, determine the way I live. Not my family. That's hard sometimes. Not my friends. Listen, your friends just won't want anything to do with you. Your family will not be kind to you. Sometimes when you live like Jesus, and they don't, Mary is willing to sit at the feet of Jesus because she wants to learn. Now, let's go on. It says in verse 40, but Martha was, circle that next word, so when you read this passage, you'll, you'll say, there's something about that word distracted. Martha was distracted. 
Circle distracted. That's a key word. Martha in her mind is distracted. Now it goes on. Martha was distracted, we see how, by the big dinner she was preparing. Understand, she's not preparing a meal just for Lazarus, her sister Mary, herself, and Jesus. She's preparing a meal, most likely, for all of his immediate disciples. Maybe for the others, but most likely, at least, for all of his disciples. I tell you what, folks, coming over to your house tonight for supper, bringing 13 friends with me. Guess what you're going to do this afternoon? You're going to get ready. Or else you're going to lock the door, lock all the windows, turn off all the lights. Okay? She, she, she has a big dinner she was preparing. And it says she came to Jesus and said, now like anybody, okay, because I don't think Jesus sent an announcement before he got there and said, hey, you know what? We're, we're 24 hours, 48 hours from your house. We're going to be there. Oh, he comes running down, walking down the road, and, and there's his people with him, and and uh, sun's going down. And he says, "Hey guys, let's just, you know, Lazarus, my friend, let's just hang out here at his homestead." And of course, Jesus, being his friend, would be invited in the house. It would be good to hear what some of his immediate followers had to say. They've experienced things that the other people maybe haven't experienced, and so Martha puts together a meal, and it is, it is something that could get in the way. And so she comes to Jesus because, you know, she's back here cutting those, fixing those potatoes, peeling them. Where, 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 where? I'm the only one. She, she's cutting the meat. She's trying to get, the, get, the, get the, the, the cherry pie ready. Love cherry pie, don't you? You ever invite me home, serve me cherry cobbler, cherry pie, cherry crisp, but make sure you give me a can of whipped cream. Okay? Love cherry pie. She's doing all that. She's, she's thinking, wait, where is everybody? Where is everybody? Look what he says. And so she came to Jesus and said, Lord, uh, doesn't it, uh, let me get your opinion. Doesn't, your Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do the work? Now, folks, I want you to understand something. She's not asking a question. She's not asking, she's telling Jesus. She's not asking the question. She's telling Jesus. Have you ever, have you ever come to connection and you say, you know, it just doesn't seem fair. I'm always unloading carts and that other guy doesn't do anything. You, you, know, you know, God, it, it just doesn't seem, of course, you wouldn't tell God that. You'd, tell your, you'd let your kids hear that kind of complaint. They're going to grow up and be just like you. You know, it doesn't seem fair. I have to help in Gap or Kids Rock, and, and they get to go to worship all the time. It, it, it just doesn't seem fair. I, I stay around and help take down, and they go to lunch early. Now listen, folks, somebody, do you hear this the wrong way? You say, Mike's trying to sort of put the screws to us. I'm not. That's coming right out of Scripture. It's Martha that's trying to put the screws on Jesus. Doesn't it seem unfair to you, Lord, that I'm doing all this work? See, look how she says it. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister, she didn't even say I'm doing all the work. She just says, doesn't it seem unfair to you that they're not doing anything? My sister, that's Mary, just sits here while I do all the work. See, she's not asking a question. She's not, looking, she's not looking for the right solution. She's looking for what, folks? Her solution. You understand? That's what happens in churches. She's not looking for the right solution, what God would want. She's looking for her solution because it would help her out. Okay, well, let's go on. 40 says, tell her to come and help me. Wow. Now, this is what happens in families, folks. Family members are different. I really am, I'm sorry I was the baby of so many people, okay? Twelve living children. I'm sorry I was a baby in the sense that I was, 
I became a spoiled brat, and worry became a part of my life. That's a second life issue for me. Anger became the first because I learned as a little kid, if you get angry, you can control people. Are you following with me? See, I'm sorry I was the baby and that my parents allowed that to get away. But understand, they're senior adults. They're not in their 40s and 50s now. See? But I am thankful I'm the baby because I watched the relationship of my older brothers and sisters with their children. And Laura knows I learned a great deal. And whenever I read from wise guys who talked about how to raise children, I could put that with those real-life experiences. And it helped. Family members are different. And now I've come to understand, you know, we're not all going to be alike. Church members are different. And if I don't realize that, and if you don't realize that, we tend to condescend on each other. And that happens in so many churches. And we tend to put those who are different from us down. You know, they don't dress like me. They don't sing like me. They don't talk like me. They don't, they don't want the same scripture uh, translation I use. They don't want the same songs that I want. They don't want the same kind of setup. They don't want to do the same kind of fellowship. You see, when we do that, and you know what we do? We divide ourselves. Now, this is where I like women. I said this to somebody yesterday. We went to watch my, my grandchildren, my, my uh, uh, second grade grandson and my seventh grade granddaughter play basketball. The seventh grader had two games. The grandson had one, and I watched. And before the, the second grader, he played first, second, third, there were the four- and five-year-olds. And I said both to Laura and to my daughter or daughter-in-law you know this is what bothers me whenever i was younger men would help in the sports now it's got to be the mamas men are too busy to do that kind of stuff they're just too busy and those boys need men's mentoring you see you see if we're not careful and this is why i like women women are always concerned about their cubs Men love their cubs for what their cubs might become. Sometimes it's hard for men to make time for their cubs. People are different. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. Maybe that will bring some insight. Let's give a little more time. But Mary and Martha are different. Look, look, Martha. From what we get here, Martha is a person of action. Okay, she's a person of action. She, she, is, she is an outward type person. She's a person who wants to do. Let me, let me fix the food for you, Jesus. Let me make the beds for you, Jesus. Let me help you, Jesus. You see, she loves Jesus. I'm not telling you that's bad. Don't get me wrong. But, but Martha, family members, she's a person of action. And so she looks around and she does th things. Okay? She's a person of action. The outward impresses her and so she does this for jesus because she loves him mary now mary is a contemplative type person by that i mean she's a person who likes to think about things you know hey, don't, don't miss what's going on in life you're, you're so busy you're, you're not hearing what's important see mary's contemplative she would say this jesus tell me more about god tell me some more of those stories of yours man that just warms me up inside She's contemplating. She, she's more inward in her experience. She loves Jesus also. See, they both love Jesus. Oh, please, connection, hear this. It'll make us a much more healthier body. Not everybody's going to be a Mike Davis. Not everybody's going to be you. And so that's Martha's strength, action, Mary's strength, contemplative, thinking. But they find themselves together. <laughs> listen to me if you're married and you're an action person and you're married to a contemplative person it's annoying constantly did you hear what I said if you're parents if you're parents and you're action people, let's get it done. And you got a child or children that are contemplative, they're always thinking. Oh man, it annoys you all the time. Do you catch what I'm trying to say? Please, 
That's what this is. I can catch that inside. There's times. She's contemplative. I'm action. Oh, come on, Laura. I say to her, you go on and head for the car. <laughs> I mean, uh, how far is it? We might be from there to there to the garage. Say, you go on ahead to the garage. I'll catch you before you're there. And I'll do something. Because I'm in action. And I have to accept our differences. It makes our marriage better. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, I like her differences often. They make me stronger. They rub. The, they, they, they're, they're God's chisel. Remember that video? On me. They're, they're just different people. They both love Jesus. One is a person of action, and one's a person of, 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 of contemplation. I don't want to say thinking, because action people ought to think. They may do the wrong thing. Are you busy serving Jesus? So busy serving Jesus that you really don't spend time with him? Is it all about, listen, I've got to get everything set up, and I can't wait till we get done, and already you're thinking about taking down? You know, nobody ought to take down until we're done. If you're a leader, tell the people in your group, no. If they say, I won't work anymore, then they need to not work anymore. See, are you a person who's so caught up in the action that really the studying is a, a lower priority? Listen, don't spend your time studying or, big or, or serving at the sake of missing the devotion to the Lord. And there's a difference. Both can be done by Christian people. And yet there's no devotion to the Lord. Look at verse 41. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay? Now, I do not want you to leave, and I've heard, I've read in commentaries, Jesus is not putting down activity. He is not saying activity and service is wrong, and it ought to be relegated to an unimportant position. You see, service to Jesus should be presence to Jesus. If I clean something, that's a present for you, Jesus. Come and use it. If I fix something, that's a present for you, Jesus. Come and use it. See? He's not putting down activity. He's not telling us that we need to think about everything and not do anything. He is saying, thinking about who he is in regards to all of our life's experience and what he would want is of utmost importance. Because you see, if I don't think about what he wants, I'm going to tell you, I create the church I want. I create the group I want. I create the marriage I want. I create the family I want. I determine our family's activity and schedules based upon what I want. You see, it's all, look, what I want. Now, that can happen either in action or it can be in thinking. If there isn't that devotion to Jesus in either one. He's not putting down the action. But sometimes we must, stand, we must suspend activity for the sake of thinking, how will I serve Jesus in this? How will I understand my devotion to Jesus in that? Some people say, so I'm not going to do any service because I can't ever see devotion. I'm going to tell you I see devotion in Jesus in some of the simplest things I do. Today, two mamas were holding their kids. I think they're one year old. Okay? One of them's one-year-old because I got invited to the birthday party, okay? If I have my schedule, I like going to one-year-old birthday parties. I like getting invited to 10-year-old birthday parties. I like your kids to know I care about but, but But they're holding them at the front door, these two moms. These kids probably one-year-old each. And, and you know the moms are talking with other ladies. And you know you got the kids up here. Kids love to be up here when moms are talking to other people. No, unless they're tired and like their heads. Those kids are just looking around. So, so I, I go back around the corner. Some of you remember this. You saw me out there. And I started going. Whoosh, whoosh. First the boy looked at me. Whoosh, whoosh. Then it, it came like this. And so the girl over here, the one-year-old girl, sees him and she looks. I'm going. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. 
I probably do that 20 times, 15 times. And those kids are enjoying it. Finally, the moms look, so I quit doing it. See, because they think I'm a weird guy. My kids have told me. My wife has told me. People are going to think you, you are a child predator. Do you know what? That's my devotion to Jesus. That's all it is, folks. I got to think about that. Don't get too carried away. Be careful touching those little things. They're their things. They're not mine. They're their kids, not mine, see? Unless they know you. But you see, you've got to, you got to do the service. Don't get me wrong. Every corn of popcorn you pop, understand, that's the kernel Jesus might taste. Every time I go to the bathroom, I ought to wash my hands. Some of you, your dad's never taught you that. Because you see, that's the hand that will touch Jesus. If I've got a code, some of you came up today and I said, hey, I'm not shaking any hands, I'm just knuckling. Because I've had to crud this week. You see, because I may be knuckling with Jesus. You got to think. Do the action. But use the thinking. How is this devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus is just simply going to try to get across in all this that when you do the activity, don't miss experiencing him. That's, that's the utmost thing that Mary was getting a hold of. Somebody says, well, did Mary ever help him? We don't know. But that's the thing. Jesus trying to say, don't miss experiencing me, Martha. Laura will tell you, sometimes, because she's pushed, we have a connect group, or we have a lead team, I just say, fix lunch meat. Do something simple, cheese and crackers. See, because sometimes, you don't need to do everything. Think about it. How is this in devotion to Jesus Christ? Hear me. Serving Jesus can degenerate into activity void of devotion. Going to conferences or doing Bible studies or listening to sermons can degenerate to getting knowledge without devotion. Last week, remember the expert? The Good Samaritan story came out. When he gave the right answer, Jesus says, you are correct. In other words, you've got the head knowledge. Now, let's, he said, go and do it. That's the devotion. You're hearing something here. Some of you know you need to go home. I said to two little kids today, hey, hey. I said, did you go to bed last night? And no water fell on your head and you were warm? Uh-huh. I said, wow. You ought to thank your mom and dad for providing that comfortable home for you. You see, how does it invite the devotion? Some of you need to go home and say, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry, Brother. I'm sorry, Sister. Some of you need to go, and you need to realize when Mom's doing the work, you need to go help her. Dad's doing something. You need to say, Dad, can I hold the hand you the wrench? Because it's not just all about your video game. See, I don't know how it is, but do action. But think about what you're doing, and how does that demonstrate devotion to Jesus? That's what this is all about. Look, at, look on your message map. The last blank. My summary is this. I'm not done with the sermon, but this is my summary for the message map. Be sure to spend time with Jesus. The instructions. Hear what he has to say and get stuff done. In other words, worship like Mary and then do work like Martha. If all a person does is study Jesus' words but never does anything, that's wrong. But if all a person does is do, 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 and never understands the word of Jesus, that's wrong. We are to spend time. We are to spend time with our Lord. And we are to serve our Lord. Listen to me. Listen to me. The word you circle, the world will call to you. The world will call to you. It will seek to distract you. And it will tell you, work, work, work. The world, the world will tell you. It will distract you. It will tell you by your dad's example, by your mother's example, by your friend's example. The world will tell you. 
it will distract you and it will say, work, 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 work. And what life will become, it's all about work, 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 work. You may even go to church, but you know what? Life is frustrating. Life is compounding on you. And you're feeling the emptiness of the void that comes because you're not doing merry time. You're not thinking about devotion to Jesus. The next pie you bake, bake it for Jesus. The next thing you fix online, fix it for Jesus. The next tire you pick up, realize that's going on Jesus' vehicle. See, the devotion needs to be there. In the thinking, it's for Him. Whether it's in family, whether it's at work, whether it's at play. The world will seek to distract you. And you know what? Listen, if you listen to what it tells you and what it calls you to do, you know you never get everything done because you can never, ever get everything done. You can't. And we've got to realize we have to do action but we have to think we're not people of the world. We're people of God's kingdom. We've got to think, what does the Lord want in this? Where is my devotion in this? God calls you to learn about Jesus. I know I intersect some of my thoughts and ideas. I'm just trying to sort of paint an illustration around the words. God calls you to listen to Jesus' words and to follow them. And if you do, listen, then you will learn to have peace. But it's his words. It's not my words. It's not your daddy's words. Because you see, many of us got great grandparents that had peace, and we don't have it today. I'm going to talk about that when we get in. Jesus tells a story about a demon that leaves a person, and seven others come back. Listen, God wants you to not be distracted from hearing Jesus' words. The person who learns to hear Jesus' words and thinks about them and puts them into action is the person that's going to learn how to have peace. It's the person who's going to learn how to find calmness. It's the person who's going to find how to make the right priorities, the right priorities in life. That's what's going to happen. If you start your life, listen to me, if you start your life with Mary time and then follow it Martha time, you're okay. But most of us, we wake up and it's Martha time from the very beginning. And you know what? We can't wait till Friday so we can sort of relax. And we relax still doing Martha time around the house or in our activities with our kids. It's all Martha time. You see, our hobbies, it's all Martha time. And then Monday comes. And man, we're tired. If you'll start your life with merry time, and then do Martha time as devotion to Jesus. Folks, it will make a difference. Life won't be so difficult. Sometimes I get a little bit concerned because somebody asks me, how's it going? I say, great. They're thinking, man, I wish I could be a preacher and just all I had to do is preach on Sunday. They don't realize I have to put out $5,000 to fix a car. They don't realize... I've got to do $12,000 for this. They don't realize that my body hurts. They don't realize I go through the same thing. There's family issues. But why do I say it's great? Because I know this. This is the time I have. Right now, Mary time tells me. It's what God has given to me. I was free to sing a song and express myself at that position. I am free to look at the word. I am free to do this. Now, how does that impact my activity? That it's devotion to Jesus. Life gets so much easier, folks, if you do Mary time and then Martha time. Look on the screen. I want to show you two things. Look on the screen. Begin your day with a quiet time. With God. I'm not talking about you take even five minutes. I'm saying take time just to read a verse, half a verse, three verses. Don't say I'm going to read a chapter a day. You, you'll stop. Just read something. Start with the Gospel of John. Meet the guy Jesus. And just read a, a, a verse or two and try to understand. Very beginning, John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. You mean Jesus was with God when it was the beginning? See, that's merry time. Begin your day with a quiet time and then just thank God. See, read his word, interact with God. That's merry time. I don't care how old you are, 10 or 100. 
And then begin your day's activities and do God's will, see? Live and love like Jesus all day. That's Martha time. Don't just do Martha time. People who are just in the merry time will tell you that's the most important thing. They don't have time for Martha time. You don't have time to pull your six shooters out and shoot at a one-year-old. I'm sorry, it's a violent society. You don't have time to get around the corner and send kisses to a one-year-old. You better get back to merry time. We must remember to do this each day. Let's see the next screen. Look, begin your week with Sunday. And I'm not trying to put any screws on you. Listen, man, bring your family. If they won't come, you keep coming. Eventually, she'll come along with you. You stop coming because they stop coming, they'll never get here. Begin your week with Sunday, a time with God. Concentrate on the Bible with God's people. Listen, it's time you start open one of these books. Read it up here, okay. But you're beyond that. Open one of these Bibles. Start bringing a writing instrument and mark in there and read it later this week and take that message map and let this message have double the impact. See, concentrate on the Bible with God's people. Spend time with God's family. Share yourself with God's family. Interact. You know what? There's some kids out there that need you to send kisses around the corner to them. There's people who need you to sit down and say, hey, I heard this. How you doing? See, begin... That's, that's interact, that's merry time. And number three, then begin your week's activity and do God's will. Living and loving like Jesus all week. That's Martha time. Some of you, listen, we're done in here and you're already thinking about tomorrow. You're already into Martha time and you've never really given merry time input into your life. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. That's what Martha did don't get distracted. Martha loved Jesus. We need people like Martha. or We don't eat and we don't sit comfortably. But we need Martha's to think about Jesus and how what they do is devoted to Him. We need Mary time. We need Martha time. Your marriage needs both. Your children need both. You need both. Don't get distracted do we have a question let's have one can martha and mary be marty and gary yes okay they can let's bow together for prayer father thank you thank you for thank you for luke however that came about with theophilus and luke said okay i'll suspend my medical practice and i'll go out and i'll ask intelligent questions and i'll study this thing from a scientific mind however that came about and theophilus may be saying i'll pay your way don't you worry about earning you just find the truth thank you that now that which was written within the lifetime of people who walked with jesus and talked with jesus has been preserved for us who are too far removed to have walked or talked with Jesus. Thank you for the illustration of Martha and Mary. Thank you for those two ladies. Thank you that one day we will share in the eternal glory and we can talk to both Martha and Mary. God, help us. Help us to be be like Martha and Mary in our devotion to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.